Nancy Pelosi's January 6th commission kicked off yesterday with a star performance from one of the two liberal Republicans who agreed to sit on the otherwise entirely Democrat panel. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Adam Kinzinger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, thank you to my colleagues on the committee. Thank you to our witnesses. Uh, I never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. Uh, I've talked to a number of you and gotten to know you. I think it's important to tell you right now, though, you guys may like individually feel a little broken. You guys all talk about the effects you have to deal with, and you know you talk about the impact of that day. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. We're defined by how we come back from bad days, how we take accountability for that. And for all the overheated rhetoric surrounding this committee, our mission is very simple. Let's define the truth and it's to ensure accountability. Encore, encore, Mr. <laughs> I've got to wipe a tear from my eye. For reaction to Kinzinger's whining, we turn as usual to Don Corleone. You can act like a man. What's the matter with you? Is this how you turn down a Hollywood Pinocchio that uh, cries like a woman? <laughs> what can I do? What can I do? What is that nonsense? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It, Kinzinger's statements were ridiculous. But his womanish clown show was the role to which court jester conservatives such as he are best suited in our national drama. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from Escarian, who says, the people saying that you don't need to disclose your HIV results to your sexual partners are the same people saying you're responsible for their health, so you must get vaccinated. Yes, this is true. And it's it's basically pointless to, to try to make sense of it. It's not about a uniform standard. It's not about, it's, it's not even about their hypocrisy. It's, it's hierarchy, as is often said these days. There are just different rules for different people. And you, my friend, if you in any way dissent from the liberal regime, you are on the wrong side of that. And that's just the way it goes. Now, if you want to get strong. If you want to, you know, just start feeling a little bit better, even I know everyone's keeping you down, but you want to start feeling better. I would strongly recommend Echelon Fitness. I absolutely love Echelon. It is phenomenal. Echelon is the affordable way to get workout equipment, the workout community, and the instructor's motivation right in the comfort of your own home. Echelon's fitness app provides you thousands of live and on-demand classes, with great music from your favorite artists. You pick your class, you climb up the leaderboard, you cheer each other on, you give it your all. Echelon certified fitness instructors. They're supportive, they're engaging, they're fun, they'll give you a great workout. Echelon's full range of affordable workout equipment includes stationary bikes, smart rowers, sleek fitness screens, or the auto-folding treadmill. They're all connected to provide the Echelon experience. They've got around-the-clock classes for the family. They've got full body workout programs that keep you coming back. One membership covers a family of five. Really, really strongly recommend these guys, uh, especially, you know, you don't want to drive to the gym. You got to drive to the gym, you got to change, you do this, you do that. No, you do it right in the comfort of your own home. It's great. Right now, get an Echelon EX3 bike, risk-free 
for 30 days plus free shipping and assembly. To get this exclusive offer with these free bonuses valued at $250, go to echelonfit.com slash Knowles. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N-F-I-T dot com slash Knowles for this free offer. Echelonfit.com slash Knowles. Today, you guys, you today, you. <laughs> Adam Kinzinger. Really, he didn't, he didn't surprise anyone with his performance. Least of all himself, I'm sure he was practicing that one in the mirror like any ham actor about to get the hook. But uh, it is worth pointing out that not only were the, the tears preposterous, but the statements that he made were preposterous as well. He said that the Capitol incident in January was an insurrection. It was not an insurrection. The, the way that we know in part that this was not, or here's some evidence that this was not an insurrection. The weight of the federal government right now is trying to prosecute anyone who was in any way involved in that day. It's not like BLM where they all get off the hook or most of them get off the hook. Everyone is trying to prosecute these guys to the fullest extent of the law. And yet no one is being charged with seditious conspiracy. No one is being charged with the crimes associated with insurrection. They're being charged with criminal trespassing. They're being charged with all sorts of things like property damage, theft, but they're not being charged with sedition because the feds can't prove that it was an insurrection because it wasn't. It was a deadly insurrection. Well, it was deadly. One person was killed in the violence of that day. It was a Trump supporter. It was one of the people who went into the Capitol. So I get, if, it, if you're saying that it was a deadly insurrection and that's a terrible thing, then you should be grilling the cops that you otherwise were praising all day because a cop killed a Trump supporter. That was the only, I know that we were told in the aftermath by a bunch of liars in the uh, establishment media and in the establishment, the political establishment like Adam Kinzinger and all of the Democrats, we were told that officer Brian Sicknick was killed because someone threw a fire extinguisher at his head. That just wasn't true. That was completely made up. He died of natural causes days later. That's what happened. No one else died. Another person died of a drug overdose. Other people died of natural causes. The only person who died in political violence was one of the pro-Trump demonstrators. Okay. This was the worst attack on our democracy since 1812. The political commentator Yossi Gestetner had a wonderful thread on this the other day. You probably didn't see it on Twitter because I imagine it was suppressed. He pointed out that the January 6th insurrection, uh, that involved some damage to the Capitol. No question about it. There have been other attacks on the Capitol. It wasn't the worst one since 1812. This is just, just from his list, from Yossi's list. 1954, five congressmen were wounded when four terrorists opened fire in the visitor's area. President Carter later commuted their sentences or reduced their sentences. So that seems worse than January 6th, doesn't it? Uh, 1971, a bomb planted by a group of person protesting the Vietnam War, so this would have been a left winger, uh, exploded in the Senate wing of the Capitol, caused extensive damage, thankfully no injuries. That seems worse than January 6th. November 7th, 1983, an explosion tore through the second floor of the Capitol's north wing. The, the device blew the door off of Democrat leader Robert Byrd's office. Seems worse than January 6th, 1998, two Capitol police officers Jacob Chestnut Jr. and John Gibson died in the line of duty because an armed assailant stormed past the Capitol security checkpoint and he made it into the building where he was shot. Seems worse than January 6th. Before midnight on 19, in, in uh, 1915, 
Police responded to the Capitol where an explosion caused huge damage to the Senate wing. Then in October of 2018, hundreds of leftists stormed the U.S. Senate building uh, during the work of confirming a Supreme Court justice. Uh, uh, 302 people were arrested by Capitol Hill police. No people were arrested, arrested by the federal government. And then last year, in the summer of hate in 2020, when BLM was burning down the country, the president and his family were rushed to the White House bunker as insurrectionists. I get, you got to use the term, right? You gotta, if you're going to use the term for the horn guy, certainly you need to use the term for the people who stormed the White House, scaled the fence, and 60 Secret Service agents were wounded in the process, 11 of them needing hospitalization for defending the White House. The horn guy comes in, the smiley guy steals Pelosi's podium. That was the worst insurrection in history. But just months prior, people stormed the White House and wound 60 Secret Service agents, 11 of them sent to the hospital. That was nothing. That truly, you probably didn't even hear about that. Or you heard very little. Or all you heard from the media were people making fun of President Trump for going into the bunker. So I just don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I never want to hear another word about January 6th. It's compared to other attacks that you've never even heard of. They didn't even make the news really, or they are not, they don't remain in the public consciousness. What happened on January 6th was relatively insignificant. Moreover, moreover, and this is, I think, the big problem that the January 6th commission is having. As the media narrative fades and as more and more evidence is presented of what actually happened on January 6th, the narrative is falling apart. It's further falling. We were told that these angry, crazy Trump supporters were showing up to the Capitol and throwing things through windows. Meanwhile, what, what you're seeing is video emerging of Trump supporters going up to the cops and saying, guys, stop this. There are people who are infiltrating. They're the stop. We don't like what's going on. Stop. Defend the Capitol. So obviously there are a lot of theories about what's going on. Who's breaking into the Capitol? It was Antifa. No, it wasn't. It was the MAGA people. No, it was this. No, it was that. That, that's sort of beside the point. The question is, why weren't the cops doing anything? In some cases, you see the cops like standing down and letting people go into the Capitol. That's going to really complicate the narrative. So because of this, because more and more video evidence is coming out that paints the MAGA people in a, in a much better light than we were told by the mainstream media, now you're, you're seeing testimony from some cops and other people who are just creating whole new narratives, saying that actually it was a bunch of racists and, and the MAGA people, they called me the N-word. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This n- voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, n-. No one had ever, ever called me a n- while wearing the uniform of a Capitol Police officer. In the days following the attempted insurrection, other black officers shared with me their own stories of racial abuse on January 6th. One officer told me he had never, and in his his entire 40 years of life, been called a to his face, and that streak ended on January 6th. Yet another black officer later told me He had been confronted by insurrectionists in the Capitol who told him 
put your gun down and we'll show you what kind of n- you really are. Yeah. Did, did they take your Subway sandwich too? Did they tell you this was MAGA country and it was on the south side of Chicago? Forgive me my skepticism, but there are thousands of videos of just about every angle of every, just about everything that happened that day. Cameras everywhere. I don't see any evidence of this whatsoever. And trust me, if this had happened, if there were even one second of video of this, this would have been blasted on every major news. Now, I'm not saying there's no way it happened. I'm just saying, forgive my skepticism that the liberal establishment that has lied to us about every single aspect of this event might not be telling the truth right now. You know why I don't believe that as this one Capitol Hill officer says he was called awful racial epithets by all of the Trump supporters? You know why? Or not even that I don't believe. Do you know why I'm skeptical of this claim? Because this, that word, the N word, which the Capitol Hill officer just says, he's saying it for full effect in the room. We bleep it on the shows, but he's saying it for full effect. That word is the unutterable word. You don't hear people say that. You certainly don't hear people say that in public. There's no video of anyone saying that on January 6th, despite all of the videos of that day. Much of that event was live streamed. There are, don't the cops wear body cameras? Where is it? Where is any evidence? Oh, they don't have any. So they've just got the testimony. And not only do they have the testimony, they got the testimony of this one guy who shows up and he says, yeah, but you know, I heard from other guys too, that some other guys and the cousin of the other guy and the third cousin once removed of the brother-in-law of a guy said that some other guy said the N-word. So basically Trump supporters are bigots. Uh, uh, Sorry, I just don't buy it. This guy, Morgan Wallen, the country singer, this country singer used the N-word, not in a, in a confrontational way, not in an earnest way as though to put someone down on the basis of his race, but just in the colloquial way that you hear in rap music and you hear in the popular culture. He used it drunkenly, privately with his friend while he was calling him a bunch of other words in a joking manner. And his life, because he just uttered this in a joking way, you know, in a private moment, his life is ruined. Take a listen. He's only sitting down because he wants to clean up his image. It's all a performance. So what do you say to that? I understand that, you know, I understand that, that I'm not ever going to make, you know, everyone happy. I can only come tell my truth and, and that's all I know to do. It was, in our minds, it's playful, you know, I don't, I don't know if that's, that sounds ignorant, but it, that's really where it came from and, and it's, and it's wrong. And do you know the history of the word? Oh yeah. I've heard some stories in the, in the initial conversations that I had after that, just how, just how some people are, you know, treated even still today. And I'm just like, I haven't seen that with my eyes, that pain or that, or that insignificant feeling or whatever it is that, that it makes you feel. Do you understand why it makes black people so upset? I don't know how to put myself in their shoes because I'm not, you know, but I, I, I do understand, especially when I, when I say that I'm using it playfully or whatever, ignorantly, I understand that that must sound, you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't understand. So pathetic. And this guy, it's, it's been going on for months now and the, the guy's career is over and his life is over. And I, yeah, I don't encourage people to use offensive language. I think it's a bad idea. I try not to do it myself. Is this a crime against humanity? Is this the, is this the worst thing you can possibly do? Well, in our culture, it is. And so you're telling me that a group of Trump supporters in public, on camera, just starts screaming this word in earnest, in 
malice and vitriol at a Capitol Hill police officer, not buying that. Not bu- I think th- there are a handful of people who use this word earnestly or who seem to use this word earnestly in America. They're, they are the white supremacists. I assume 97% of them are FBI informants. <laughs> I think the entire membership of the Ku Klux Klan is just different FBI informants informing on other FBI informants. Pathetic. Pathetic stuff that the, the left is trying to muster. They don't have the video evidence. They don't have the audio evidence. They don't have, they obviously have no answer for the BLM riots in that comparison. So they just create, they just put on a show and it's Adam Kinzinger and it's, it's other people as well. Speaking of not being able to say things, some Republican congressmen, Paul Gosar, Matt Gates, and Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to put on a press conference to get their side of the argument out on the alleged insurrection. Of course, it was shut down by leftist protesters. They owe the people of this country the answers to the questions. We need a break. We need it. The, okay. the left is interrupting the press conference. We need to end it. Thank you. For those of you that really care about due process, thank you. All right, and they chase them down the street. I think that was Louis Gomer there at the end. It's become tedious and cliche to say, imagine if the situation were reversed, because the situation isn't reversed because power is not balanced in any way in this country. But if there were Democratic congressmen who were out there talking about, you know, their side of the story, right, maybe defending BLM and, and going after January 6th, and a bunch of Trump supporters came up with signs saying, sit down your traitors and rapists, which is what those signs said. That would be called an insurrection, right? That would be called an interference with our democracy. Those people very well might be arrested. The the painting of this would be so, so uh, different. And so I I just don't want to hear it. I'm just absolutely sick of the January 6th thing, as are are Americans. There's a new new poll out from Rasmussen. shows that more Americans want BLM investigated than the Capitol riot. You know, Adam Kinzinger, during his sob story at the top, during the waterworks display, he said, I, like so many Americans, I'm frustrated that we don't have answers about January. No, actually, more Americans want BLM investigated. And Kinzinger was asked about that. And he said, it's totally different. It's totally different. Yes, maybe the BLM people committed some crimes, but, but the conservatives who stormed the Capitol, they threatened the rule of law itself. So BLM, which, which burned down federal courthouses, BLM, which torched police stations, BLM, which scaled the fence at the White House, <laughs> they did not threaten. That was just a little crime. That's, you know, a minor thing, slap on the wrist. But the smiling Florida guy who took Pelosi's lectern, that's the threat to the rule of law itself. According to Rasmussen, one third more Americans believe that Congress should hold investigative hearings about the BLM riots than uh, the January 6th probe. But that's not going to happen. So who cares? I think that probably the best course of action is, you know, obviously we have to talk about it with this launch of the January 6th commission. But I think basically as a rule, Republicans, certainly on Capitol Hill, should ignore it. It's preposterous. It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. It, It just doesn't matter. Speaking of polls, there's a new poll out that shows some good news in California, a poll conducted by UC Berkeley and the LA Times. So not exactly conservative institutions, okay? One of the most left-wing schools in the country and a left-wing newspaper. The poll shows that California voters 
are just about evenly split on recalling Gavin Newsom. So the question is, one, will Gavin Newsom be recalled? And then if he is recalled, who replaces him? And you know that our friend Larry Elder is, is now running, offering a genuinely conservative alternative to Gavin Newsom, who has name recognition, who has the ability to raise some money, uh, much better than the choice of Mr. Mr. Bruce Jenner, who, as far as I can tell, is more left-wing than any other candidate in the race. The poll found that 47% of likely voters support removing Newsom, 50% oppose removing Newsom. The difference is just shy of the survey's margin of error, according even to the LA Times. This is really shocking. California is a deep, deep Democrat state. This, this poll should not even come close. Newsom should have this thing locked by a landslide, and yet he doesn't because I think some people are beginning to wake up, even on the Democrat side. And that, that is a cause for hope. Speaking of the run for governor, Larry Elder, you'll remember, because he's the greatest threat to Gavin Newsom right now on the Republican side, Larry Elder was not being permitted on the ballot. So they were trying to rule that Larry Elder filled out some form wrong or something and that he, he couldn't be on the ballot. Well, thankfully, a judge has just ruled that Larry Elder absolutely can appear on the ballot. So if Newsom is recalled, there's a re- there's actually a chance. Now, I know there's widespread mail-in votes. I know that there's motor voter and ballot harvesting. I know the Democrats are rigging this thing as best they can to prevent a Republican from winning. But there actually is a chance, which is pretty, pretty good news. And it's not a moment too soon because California is heading for a lockdown again. All right, they're already requiring masks, even among vaccinated people indoors, now, Joe Biden is coming out and he's, he's complaining that at the national level, unless everybody gets vaccinated, then we are, are really in for trouble. And he's, he's turning up the crotchetiness. You know, Joe Biden, for all of his career, was just this glib, backslabbing, simpering sort of guy with the big smile who would kiss babies. That was his whole thing. But in his old age, he's becoming much more ornery. And so he, he's come out now. He's accusing unvaccinated people of sowing confusion. He's attacking their intelligence. So it's, this is not just going to be limited to California and to New York. As I have said now for, what, I don't know, 15 months or something like that, the 15 days to slow the spread is never going to end. People don't like giving up power. And so there's going to be the, the Delta variant. And then the, they've already set up the Lambda variant. And then there's the Sigma variant. And there's going to be the Phi Beta Kappa variant. And there's the Deke variant and the Pike and the, Phi, and the uh, Delta and the Zelta and the Delta and whatever. It's just going to go on forever and ever and ever. You, you might say we're heading into an authoritarian moment. Speaking of which, Ben's new book, The Authoritarian Moment, is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other major bookseller, so get your copy now and leave a five-star review to help amplify conservative voices. You can also be able to cut out the book flap and use that as a campaign sticker. When I run on the slogan, Knowles 2028, The Authoritarian Moment. Tonight, you can hear about the book by joining me, Ben Shapiro, Jeremy Boring, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, special guest, Candace Owens, for an extra exciting cigar packed session of Backstage streams at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on dailywire.com and on our Daily Wire YouTube channel. Do not miss it. And for a limited time, enter to win a Backstage VIP pass to visit the Daily Wire studios. Meet your Backstage hosts. Get a swag bag of Daily Wire merch, including autographed books. New Daily Wire members are automatically entered to win. So go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Get 25% off a new membership today with code Backstage. We'll be right back with a lot more. No more Mr. Nice Biden. 
Old Uncle Joe is turning up the heat on unvaccinated Americans. He's saying they're sowing confusion and they're not smart. Will you require all federal employees to get vaccinated? That's under consideration right now, but if you're not vaccinated, you're not nearly as smart as I thought you were. Are you concerned that the CDC's new max guidance could sow confusion? We have a pandemic because of the unvaccinated, and they're sowing enormous confusion. And the more we learn, the more we learn about this virus and the Delta variation, the more we have to be worried and concerned. And then only one thing we know for sure, if those other 100 million people got vaccinated, we'd be in a very different world. So get vaccinated. If you haven't, you're not nearly as smart as I said you were. Thank you. Having your intelligence questioned by Joe Biden is a badge of honor. (laughs) Okay. Joe Biden, and I don't even mean this because now he's saying things that are incoherent in his senility. I'm saying this because for his whole career, this guy was considered to be among the duller members of our political class. He never, he would lie about his academic credentials, but he was always sort of toward the bottom of the heap on the old IQ scale. So for him to call you a dummy, you know, what does it talk talk uh, sense to a fool and he calls you foolish, I think, in the words of Euripides. Uh, Joe Biden then says, we have a pandemic because of the unvaccinated. I thought we had a pandemic because of the Wuhan wet markets. Oh no, that turned out to be a lie. I thought we had a pandemic then because of a naturally occurring virus that may or may not have had something to do with the Wuhan laboratory. Oh no, that turned out to be a lie. Uh, I thought we had a pandemic because of a manipulated virus that did escape from the Wuhan laboratory. Okay, that's possible, but it wasn't funded by the United States, right? Oh no, that turned out to be a lie. Uh, It was funded by the United States, but then we have a a pandemic because people are, they're they're touching their faces too much. They're wearing the masks. The masks aren't doing anything. Gives them a false sense of security. Oh no, that turned out to maybe be a lie. At least was contradicted later by the same people who said it and told us all to wear the masks and then told us all to lock down and then told us this, that, and the other thing. But no, you, you, who using your faculties of reason and your prudence don't want to get the experimental drug because you're not maybe at the highest risk of dying from COVID, you're the problem. You're the problem. The more we learn, the more, the more we learn, the more we realize that there are side effects to the drug, to the, the shot. We know the FDA and the CDC have admitted this. Blood clotting from the J&J vaccine in some women, myocarditis in otherwise perfectly healthy young people, from the mRNA vaccines. And so maybe you make a risk calculation. If you're 75 or 80 plus, you say, okay, well, it's just worth worth it because I'm at greater risk of COVID. But if you're 15, maybe you're not going to get that vaccine. And it doesn't make you stupid and it doesn't make you selfish. Makes you smart, okay? They're sowing confusion, the unvaccinated people. You know who I think is sowing confusion? I think the liberal establishment and Dr. Fauci and Joe Biden and, and all the rest of them, I think they're the ones sowing confusion. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but have- it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. 
So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. And if in fact you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old. Yeah, stop sowing confusion, you unvaccinated people. Just be really clear, like Dr. Fauci has held every single opinion you can hold on anything simultaneously. There's a new study out of Great Britain shows that five times as many British children died of suicide as died of COVID. The study comes out from the University of Bristol, University of York, University of Liverpool, University College London, compared morbidity statistics from the National Child Morbidity Database with Public Health England showed five times as many kids killed themselves as died of COVID. You're not going to hear about that. You'll hear about it on this show. You'll hear about it from some conservative outlets. You won't hear about it from many other places because we've focused in on this one virus, the, the Wuhan cough. That now is the only thing that matters in the world. And so we take away your rights. We take away your life. We take away your relationships. We take away your business. We take away your country. We take away your election integrity. It's all fine. So that if, if, if it just prevents one person from getting the cough, then that's all that matters. By the way, it might not, might not be doing that either. Speaking of the Brits, there was a shocking new poll out, a shocking new study, allegedly, that shows that Britons are willing to ban certain books. And I've seen some conservatives talking about this, but I think none of them are getting it quite right. So here's, here's what the poll says. Would the British public support or oppose the UK government censoring books with content that it deems sexist, homophobic, or racist? 40% support that, 30% oppose that, 24% uh, say, uh, say neither. Pluralities of uh, 2019, 41% uh, uh, says uh, yes, labor 46% would support uh, book bans. And we in America, we recoil from this. We say this is absolutely great. We should never ban any books. This is anathema to who we are. It's anathema to the Christian West. And that's just not true. I think we're really overstating our case here. There have been plenty of books that have been banned in the United States from the very beginning of our country. There, there are some books that remain banned or practically banned. I mean, we, Amazon is banning books today, right? Now, what has changed is not that certain books are being banned. Obscene material was banned and heavily regulated from the very beginning of our country and th theoretically would still be today. What, what has changed is not that some books are canceled. What has changed is this, the standards by which books are canceled. Early on, huge swaths of political material. If, if you published a book that said men are not women, for instance, that book would not be censored. Today, my friend Ryan Anderson did publish a book that said men are not women. It's called When Harry Became Sally. That book is being censored, not by the government, but effectively by the government. It's, it's being censored by the liberal establishment and by the website that sells 80% of books plus in the United States. Okay, that's a different kind of censorship. I know this is sort of un unpopular to say on the right right now. But plenty of wise people have acknowledged that societies ban certain books and that it's not the end of the world. Plato defended book burning, for goodness sakes. Plato, from whom we get much if not most of Western philosophy. St. Luke in the Bible looks very favorably upon book burning in the Acts of the Apostles. 
There, I'm not calling for book burnings right now. I'm, I'm making the descriptive observation that all societies ban certain books, certain licentious material, certain dangerous material, certain seditious material, all societies, including our own. And so long as conservatives live in this pie-in-the-sky world that has never existed, where the society does not impose any standards or taboos on written material, we're going to keep losing. Because what the left understands is that all societies impose those standards. And so they're going to try to pervert the standards to their own ends. And I think what we need to do is go back in and say, no, look, yeah, we all grant obscene material, seditious material, this sort of stuff does not have, there's no natural right for this material to, to go out there. But we want to defend when Harry became Sally, but we want to defend important political speech, but we want to defend the actual American free speech tradition, which happens to be the thesis of my book, which you should not ban or burn. Speaking of standards, the Senate panel voted to make women register for the draft. We told you that this was very likely going to happen last week, and then it did happen. And I'm not surprised at all, but you know, we started the show talking about the squishy Republicans like, like Adam Kinzinger. There were Republicans on this committee who voted to draft your daughters into the armed forces. There were many. There were actually only five Republicans who voted against it. So the five Republicans on the Armed Services Committee who voted against drafting your daughters were Senator James Inhofe, Senator Roger Wicker, Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Josh Hawley, and Senator Mike Rounds. Very good stuff. You should applaud those guys. That's the right thing. There were one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Republicans who voted to draft your daughters. I'm not going to read their names. You can find them online. I'm not going to read their names because my point here is not to shame them and humiliate them. And my point here is to correct them. Number of senators here from uh, all over the country who are ostensibly Republican, who think that it is acceptable to, to draft women into the armed forces. It is not. That is not the country that I want to live in. I suspect that's not the country that you want to live in. That is not a country that is in any way conservative. <laughs> it's not a country that recognizes even the most basic distinction in human nature between men and women. It's hard. It's sometimes it's difficult to find that distinction, especially with Kinzinger bawling his eyes out <laughs> at the, at the uh, committee hearings. But if you can't conserve the, the very basic distinction in human nature, you can't conserve anything. So I hope these senators change their mind before this thing goes up to a real vote. Also, a, a, a point here is some people, I think, have misinterpreted what I've said. When I say that Adam Kinzinger is a womanish clown, I'm not dissing women. Most people understand that. But, but there's a difference between being womanish and womanly. And the difference is this. When a woman embodies the feminine virtues. That's a wonderful, beautiful thing. When a man performs a caricature of a woman, that's a very bad thing. That's, woman, that's the difference between womanly and womanish. And what Kinzinger and a lot of the rest of these squishes are doing, very much the latter. Speaking of women in battle, I've got to get to the most important story that I didn't think was going to matter, but, but it does. Simone Biles. Simone Biles is apparently an Olympic athlete. I had never heard of Simone Biles until last night. I don't watch the Olympics. It's never particularly interested me. And in the recent years where American athletes are turning against their country, I'm not saying Simone Biles did that, but 
where a number of athletes are doing that. I'm just not interested at all. So Simone Biles is apparently a very popular and accomplished gymnast. And Simone Biles decided, because she performed badly in some event, that she was just going to quit the Olympics. She was sent to the Olympics to represent the United States, to bring home medals, to do sport battle against other countries, and to bring home medals for the United States. But then she just wasn't feeling it one day. She just wasn't feeling it. So in the past, when Olympians have not just injured their feelings, but injured their bodies, they have still gone on, they've still competed, they've still fought to bring home those medals for the United States. Compare, as uh, my friend Charlie Kirk did on the internet yesterday, compare those good old days to Simone Biles today. Here you have an Olympian competing with a broken foot. Kerry Strutt. She was there for gold, there for her team, for her country and her soul. a lot of different variables, and I think we're just a little bit too stressed out. Um, but we should be out here having fun, and sometimes that's not the case. Okay, there's a lot of variables as to why she quit. And it's she was a little stressed out. And look, she's just there to have fun. She's just there for her, right? Of, of course not. I mean, this is, this is sad. This is pathetic. This is disgraceful. But I don't want to be too hard on Simone Biles here. M- one, because I don't know anything about Simone Biles and I'm not that interested. But, but also, too, because I think Simone Biles is the voice of her generation. I think she is the voice of a generation that was not, not taught duty, that was actually taught to mock duty, that was taught to mock honor and the things that are higher than one's own pleasure and, and one's own comfort. Simone Biles, as she quits the Olympics because she's got the bad feels, she says, I've never felt like this going into a competition before. I tried to go out there and have fun and warm up in the back, went a little bit better. But then once I came out here, no, mental's not there. So I just need to let the girls do it and focus on myself. Physically, I feel good. I'm in shape, she says. She said this to the Today Show. Emotionally, that kind of varies in the time and moment. Coming here to the Olympics and being the head star isn't an easy feat. So we're just trying to take it one day at a time and we'll see. It's really, really pathetic and disgraceful because she's not there to have fun and she's not there for herself and she's, she's not there as just oopsie daisy. Think about the person whose spot she took. Think about the people who spend their whole lives trying to make it to the Olympics. And then this gal took another gal's spot. And then because she just didn't have the right feels that day, she said, no, I'm not having as much fun as I used to. Uh, You know, you got the, imagine the guy storming Normandy. Say, ah, you know, this isn't as fun (laughs) as it used to be. Ah, Imagine you're at your office. You've got a very important project that has to get done. And then one of the key guys on the team, he says, ah, you know what, guys? It just doesn't, I don't know. I'm not enjoying it as much as I, you know, good luck. See ya. I'm late. I'm quitting. It's just, it's just quitting. I know some people are trying to defend her. They say she has mental problems. Maybe she does. I don't know. I mean, I know some people have been blaming it on mental problems. I know a lot of people are blaming a lot of things on mental problems because suffering and grievance now, now carries social currency. But if, if this woman really has mental problems, then she's, you know, she should never have been competing in the first place. I mean, she, she needs to get the help that she needs, right? Or is, or is that just an excuse because she just didn't, you know, she didn't feel it. She felt she wasn't competing at her best and maybe she just doesn't want to. And in our culture, there's nothing, nothing more important than one's will, 
than one's appetite, than one's pleasure and comfort and desire. Very sad stuff. Sad stuff. I mean, this is part of, this just underscores my decision not to watch or care about the Olympics at all. Here's another thing that does that. The head of the Olympics broadcasting that just came out, made a very important feminist statement, said uh, that the Olympics broadcasting coverage is going to focus on women's sport appeal, not their sex appeal. So the Tokyo Olympics head of broadcasting said they're going to minimize the sexualization of female athletes in light of athlete complaints that uh, the the uniforms are too sexy or something, and they want to make the women's bodies more covered up. And this this head of broadcasting, Yanis Exarchos, says, you got to focus on sport appeal, not sex appeal. You will not see in our coverage some things that we have been seeing in the past with details and close-up close-ups on parts of the body. What we can do is make sure that our coverage does not highlight or feature in any particular way what people are wearing, and and you won't see any of that stuff. This is very wrong. This is not because I'm saying that, you know, the the Olympics should be a striptease or a burlesque show, but the physical beauty of the Olympians is and has always been a central feature of the Olympics going back to ancient Greece and actually it extends to all sorts of sports. These people, not even just the women, I'm talking about the men too. These are top physical specimens. These are people who have spent years and years and years crafting and their bodies into these machines, into these incredible specimens of achievement and excellence so that they can form, perform athletic feats. You, you can't separate the physical appeal of the Olympians from the sport. They're intertwined. The objectification, this, what this is denying is the way that we as human beings relate to our bodies and relate to one another. We are attracted to one another. The sexes are complementary. Men and women are different in this way. And sport is about physical excellence. It's not just about making the individual athletes feel good or something like that. It's about all of us marveling at their excellence, or at least that's what it's supposed to be. But you can't acknowledge sexual difference now. Forget in sports, forget in sports. You cannot acknowledge sexual difference in medical school. Uh, this just came out from Barry Weiss's Substack yesterday. It's one of the, Barry Weiss's Substack is one of the best journalistic outlets out there. It's much better than the New York Times. And Barry Weiss isn't even particularly conservative. So Bar- Barry Weiss uh, had this piece up. During a recent endocrinology course at a top medical school in the UC system, University of California system, a professor actually stopped mid-lecture to apologize for something that he had said at the beginning of class. What do you think he said? You already know. You know the answer before I even tell you. Here's what, here's what the professor says. I don't want you to think that I am in any way trying to imply anything. And if you can summon some generosity to forgive me, I would really appreciate it. Was Adam Kinsinger teaching this course? I don't know. The the physician said this in a recording that was provided by a student in the class. This is not hearsay. It's not like that that cop who was testifying on the January 6th panel. I heard from a friend of a friend of another friend of a friend who said that these guys were really mean. The professor goes on. Again, I'm very sorry for that. It was certainly not my intention to offend anyone. The worst thing that I can do as a human being is be offensive. Pause there for a second before we even get to what he said. The worst thing you can do is be offensive. Murder, pillage, rape, genocide. (laughs) Uh, 
No, be offensive. That's the worst thing, right? That's, I don't think, I don't think being offensive is the worst thing that you can do as a human being. Sometimes it's one of the best things you can do if what you are offending are the vicious errors (laughs) of a great many people. And what was his offense? You know the answer. His offense was using the term pregnant women. I said when a woman is pregnant, which implies that only women can get pregnant, and I most sincerely apologize to all of you. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Why why did the professor do this? Why does a medical school professor apparently not understand? Well, I guess he does understand that only women can get pregnant, but why is he lying about that then, and why is he apologizing about that? Because I guess he doesn't know the difference between men and women. Where is Don Corleone when you need him? We need, we need a little bit of this. I'm reminded of the bio tapestry. Bishop Odo there, the Battle of Hastings. He's smacking his own men with a club. It says here, Bishop Odo comforts the troops. Sometimes comfort requires tough love. It means to give strength. Where is it? Sometimes you can act like a man. What's the matter with you? I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Nika Geneva. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. John Bickley here, editor-in-chief of Daily Wire. Wake up every morning with our new show, Morning Wire. On today's show, the floodgates open on vaccine mandates, the refund the police movement gains momentum, and troops withdraw from the Middle East. Join us and get the facts first on the news you need to know with our show, Morning Wire. 